This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Recollections Radio. Monday morning tea time is now all about sharing memories with you, old and new, of life in Dunedin. Bringing you stories, interviews and music from times past and inviting you to share your memories with us. Presented by Jill Bowie and Kay Mercer, the team behind Dunedin Public Library's Scattered Seeds Archive. Thanks to generous funding by the New Zealand Libraries Partnership Project. Recollections Radio, Monday mornings at 11 on 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. Good morning to you. Welcome to Recollections Radio. Another Monday morning. Can't believe it. It's good to be back so quick. Oh, do you know what? I really like Mondays now. I know. I used to hate Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> Spreading a bit of joy exactly. around the place. Well, we're certainly things. enjoying ourselves anyway. Yeah. What have we been up to this week? Another busy one, of course. Uh, oh, we've started work on um, digitising the Southern Heritage Trusts. No. Materials. So we're, we're working on some of their work, looking at their beautiful posters and um, amazing photographs of all the and fabulous buildings. And the, I was looking at some of their self-guided tours oh, as well. So yeah. I mean, you can still taking oh. um, amazing um, buildings and memorials and beautiful bays and yeah, great, great things to such to try a great out. resource to have. So I'm definitely going to try those out. We should do that. Maybe we should do a little oh, maybe a show from the bay or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, that's been fascinating, uh, digitising all that and the amazingly beautiful photographs. Um, what else have we been doing? Oh, we've been having, we're in talks at the moment, um, setting up our virtual theatre museum. So we're talking to some um, movers and shakers in the theatre world yeah. in Dunedin. Um, we've been talking to Lisa Warrington and um, also finding out about... Theatre Aotearoa, that amazing resource Talk that she's put about together. an incredible database. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe I didn't know it was there. No. You know, it started, you know, it was a project um, initiated by the Theatre Studies at um, Aotearoa University. Ah. But it's incredible, the amount. So you can search for different um, sort of performances yeah. and, you know, you can search by venue or director yeah. or whatever the play was. Yeah, you can find out who was in the cast. Oh. Um, it's oh, a really amazing resource, so more people should know about that. If you have any interest in theatre whatsoever, that is a, a fabulous thing. And the other thing she talked to us about was Theatre View, which is um, a database of theatre reviews mm. of, of the plays themselves. And that's something you can't get hold of. You used to be able to get, um, you know, read the reviews in the listener at the touch of a button, but not quite so easy now. So this is reviews from 2006. 2006, yeah, yes. so going right back then. So if you if you are a theatre group looking to do a play and you want to know how that performance was reviewed, yeah. you know, that's a way to do it or to find out how it went down with the audience. You know, that's, that's a fabulous resource. Exactly, an yeah. amazing resource. Such a huge amount of work gone into these Absolutely. databases. And you've got to have a passion, haven't you? And these yes. are the sort of people we love working with. So yeah. our, our virtual theatre museum is going to be stacked full of things once exactly. we've, we've had a chance to talk to all the people. Um, so we're looking for, for theatre groups out there. If mm. you're interested in joining our theatre museum, virtual theatre museum, we'd love to talk to you. Or if you've got photos of a venue, a theatre yeah. venue, we'd love to add those oh, to Oh, definitely. Because that's another project we're working on is... Um, what theatres became. So mm. they, they started off as theatres, what are they now? Exactly, so we'll, yeah. be, we'll be talking to people about that too. So lots of things coming up there. Um, and we've also started a project digitising the work of the Tight Lines Writing Group. So uh, poetry, exhibitions, um, just fabulous resources. So we're going to be putting those on shortly, um, talking to the lovely Jonathan Quirth about that. Brilliant. So yeah, we've got, we've got quite a lot of pots boiling exactly, at the moment. Yeah. Love yeah. It. 
What have you been doing? Um, well, you know, I, I was watching uh, Scarfies last you, you night. You went to the movies. I know. I, went, I had to <laughs> stay at home, but it was it was worth it. it was well, of course, we had Russell's lovely, amazing talk last exactly week. Exactly. And part and two of that this week. Yes, and he was, and so at the end I was looking down to see where he was, and the unit projectionist was Russell Campbell. So Fantastic. it was so nice to see. But I had totally forgotten about... Uh, what the movie was about. It was, yeah. It's quite dark. I mean, fabulously dark, but, you yeah. know. <laughs> Funny, uh, but also quite frightening in places. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I had forgotten a lot of that stuff. And but, a great, I mean, great soundtrack, too. The soundtrack was amazing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it features some of some amazing Dunedin music, including one of my favourite songs, Cactus Cat by Lick Blue Go Purple. Yeah. And uh, so they're a, a, an all-girl group from the 80s uh, featuring... Uh, the station manager here at Otago Access Radio, Leslie oh, Perris. Leslie, oh, wonderful. Yeah. Oh, well, we've got to listen to that. I know. And I, uh, it made me sort of think, oh, well, I wonder how many other all-female rock mm. groups there were in Dunedin sort of during the 80s. And the only one I could kind of come up with was Cassandra's Ears that starred um, Jan Helrigal. And I found a, a, an interesting kind of article where they were talking about the formation of the group in 1985. And so Jan Hellregel asked friends seated at um, an Otago University cafe to form the band. And uh, there's a quote from uh, a Matthew Highland interview um, from Rip It Up in 1988. Uh, they learnt to play their instruments in two weeks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Talk about a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. So, of course, you know, Jan Hellregel had a really successful solo career. Yeah. And, uh, and then her, like, her fourth studio album was accompanied with a book called Sportsman of the Year, A Suburban Philosophy. And so we have those books and some of their albums in mm. our collection, including um, Still Bewitched by Look Blue, Go Purple. So oh, I think we should up. listen to my favourite song, Cactus Cat. Shall we play that? I think we should. All right, let's play that. This is Cactus Cat by Look Blue, Go Purple.
that was look blue go purples cactus cat love it well, you were talking about um, Scarfies there. When was the film made? So it was 1999. Oh, yeah. It seems such a long time ago. It does, I suppose yeah. it is. So yeah. it's, yeah, over 20 years ago. Uh, it makes you feel old, it doesn't does. it? It does. <laughs> but it was great to see the city. And I don't know how they filmed it, but the city seemed very grey. Is that how you <laughs> but remembered maybe it, it was. Then? Oh, no, I don't think I do, but... Yeah. But it was awfully great. Yeah. Lots of rusty corrugated iron fences, and yeah, it, yeah. Did look, it looked pretty run down. Maybe they were trying to convey the um, what it's like for scarfers exactly yeah. living in the city rather than the, the, the upper end. But certainly, um, looking out over the city nowadays, it doesn't look it's, as grim as it's that. really beautiful. And I was because yeah. there was a shot looking down Stewart Street from the lower octagon, and even that we must the buildings look so much. Yeah. prettier and yeah. I guess maybe we've painted a lot of them or yeah. there's yeah. definitely been a lot of refinement well, when you look at um, the bit around Carisbrook and how that's been spun yes. up um, and, and how all that work that they've done in the precinct um, I know, you know yeah. all of the beautiful buildings exactly. um, repurposed and, and brought alive again it's just even you know in the last 10-15 years mm. it's, it's come a long long that way really so the city is really looking yeah. quite splendid I think if you up well. did those same shots because there's some pans right across the city and I think you know I think we'd be really proud of how beautiful the city looks I think now. so yes. I, I mean it did so. in the credits it did say you know did give a shout out to the beautiful Dunedin city, but I think it's oh, more great. beautiful now. Yeah, definitely, definitely than the impression that was given in the film. <laughs> and I guess a lot of that credit has to go to the Southern Heritage Trust for all the work they've done. Yes, yeah, um, they've done and advocating for buildings. Yeah. yeah, 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 done amazing work. Anyway, um, before we go into Russell's interview, mm. let's have another song. We'll bring it into a, a theatrical mode yes, again, exactly. shall we? Yes. This one is um, the Third Man from the movie. Thank you. 
that was the third man. So I enjoy that balalaika. Yes. Very nice. So I thought we'd um, continue on with the second part of my interview with uh, Russell Campbell that we started last week. Excellent. Can't wait. Yes, here it is. So in 2020, you celebrated 60 years of being a projectionist. What are your fondest memories of working in the cinema? Well, I've, um, I've got uh, two especially lovely memories. One is uh, when we screened Modern Times at the Regent, the Charlie Chaplin film with the orchestra, a local orchestra here. And uh, I was uh, lucky to be able to uh, screen screen the film for the Chaplin family here and uh, to a, a very large audience with full coverage in the newspaper. In fact, I think there was a photograph on the front page at, uh, the next day of, uh, of it. And uh, when uh, be- before the screening took place, there was a gentleman had come in to have a talk to me from... London, and uh, he he was uh, just checking to see that the Regent equipment was up to standard to screen modern times, and uh, this was in the days when we had, most of the theatres had platters, and the family didn't want the film screened on platters, because they just wouldn't allow it. So what was a platter? Was that The platter's where you actually join all the reels together oh. and you can uh, essentially just have all the theatres going and you only need one person to run the whole thing. Oh, I suppose that, I mean, that takes away some of the magic, doesn't it? I mean, you want the real experience to have the film and the live orchestra yes, as well. Yes, well, the, the, the audience wouldn't know no. anything about it. But the trouble with platters, it's, it, it's, it's a good idea in theory if everything's going mm. perfectly, but life isn't always like that. And you can have a massive pile-up <gasps> of film just going all over the place on the floor. <laughs> Is it the weight? Because I suppose if they're used to spinning things well, that are only... Uh, so what can actually happen, and it actually happened here in Dunedin at the, in the early days of the uh, Metro, way back not long after it first opened. Because you've got a shiny metal surface, the, the film actually started to slide off, and um, the, the, the only thing that would actually hold it would be the big centre part where the mechanism is for threading out the film. Mm. For for whatever reason, it was when I was at one stage doing a bit of work there, I got called in by Peter and Grant to see if I could sort things out because essentially it was all on the floor. Well, I spent the whole day that I was there that particular day. It took a whole day to get everything back together again. So anyway, essentially that's not what the Chaplin family <laughs> <No>. would like. <laughs> so uh, the, re- the regent was approved to uh, show, show the film and uh, it was very successful. And then when screening had finished and the uh, family became aware of how well received the film was because the, re- the regent had been dealing with um, the family or the representative of the family. And then uh, a lovely letter comes back to the regent, thanking the regent for all the help in that and uh, my uh, help with uh, the film and everything. And that's now in the regent archives. It's amazing, isn't it? Because, I mean, they, they were obviously very strict with... Very, very. And I, I, I did know that at the time, but the uh, the representative who came over, he, he, 
he said, I don't know whether he told the management at the time at the Regent or whether this is what I was told later, but he was very impressed with the projection room and everything mm. that went on in there. So, um, Because it's a long way to bring a film over, you know, to just yes. to make sure that everything is... Is fine, you know. It's well, the essential thing is they would not allow it on a platter. Mm. And I can't actually say categorically if that was film was screened in other places mm. at the same time here in New Zealand because I don't actually know. Mm. But uh, they were happy with Dunedin, so I don't think anything gets uh, any more of a memory than that on uh, something as a bigger scale as that. Mm. And then the other big memory I have is um, in 1971, there was a film called This Is New Zealand. Now, I was in Christchurch at the Odeon Theatre then, and we had This Is New Zealand there. It was on for a few weeks, from 10 o'clock in the morning, and the last screening was on a Friday night anyway, it was 9 o'clock. And that film gave me such a, a bunch of enthusiasm, and this was the short that was shown at the Expo at Osaka oh. in Japan in 1969. Mm. And uh, it actually was not meant to be screened in New Zealand. But our uh, Minister of Trade, he, Jack Marshall was the minister anyway, and he asked the uh, National Film Editor, could we screen this film in New Zealand? Well, technically there was no reason why you couldn't. It just meant that you had to build a few new projection rooms and uh, make a few adaptions, but you could do it. Mm. And between the team at uh, the National Film Unit putting their heads together, Mac Ashley, uh, Roy Lance, uh, Bruce McKenzie, they came up with this plan. And like the St James Dunedin, they built a projection room underneath the uh, what, what had been the circle. And, uh, and then the same thing they did at the Odeon Christchurch when I was there. So they actually built a separate projection room just for this? Yeah, that's right, wow. because it housed three Urnum and Eight projectors to screen the uh, the three screen film. They were screened on Toshiba projectors, which were the ones, the same ones that were used at Osaka. So there were three of those in synchronisation for the left, centre, right screens. Then you had a, a, a Western Electric magnetic sound reel that gave you the stereo sound for all three screens and then the uh, other film that was 20 minutes long this is expo was made to explain to new zealand what expo was all about and that was screened on another projector that's the urnum and eight so you'd, you'd have this is expo on first and then uh, when it came near the Towards the end of that, I can I can still remember once that theme music starts on This Is Expo, that's the time to strike up the Xenon lamp <laughs> for the three Toshibas and get ready for the changeover. So, so all of the reels would start at the same time and they'd all be projecting... Each one had separate their image. separate images. And you had two copies of each... Because there's only one reel for the short... Right. But this, and then it's got two companion reels, so you've got A, B, and C. So it's, you've got everything to do with the left hand screen mm. is one reel, and then you've got the B reel is the center screen, mm -hmm. and then you've got the C reel, which is the th which is the right hand one. So the, and this they is, have to be synchronized all together. But this is Expo that was just 
on its but that, that one. one that's on its own mm. that's separate and that's only screened on the centre screen right so, so then you'd have to change that reel over quickly no no, no you, you didn't need to actually oh. because there was a separate projector for that oh, okay. so that, that's what the Urnaman 8 right. was used for ah, that makes sense. so you, you've um, come you're getting near the end of um, this is Expo, as I say, the, uh, that particular piece of music that I got to know backwards. <laughs> that starts, you strike the xenon for the other three, and then you're ready to um, go. And so all that would happen, well, this is Expo finishes, and then it opens up. And then you flick the three on, and they just ch- all change over. <laughs> and uh, then you've got the magnetic sound starts mm. as well. So the magnetic sound reel and the three the three separate images for this is New Zealand. They all everything starts at the same time. It's all synchronised. Now that's it's important to get that right, isn't it? Yeah, it's very very important. <laughs> Did you say there was a deer that moved across? Yes, well so. there, there's once there's a couple of sequences, but the one I particularly remember where the deer's walking across the screen in, in the forest. And that's a very good indication that you've got the framing exactly mm. right. So the deer appears to move across, right across the screen. See, we take these things for granted, don't we? Because we just, you know, we're just sitting relaxed in the theatre watching the movie when actually there's so much going on upstairs. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, how true. And mm. then right at the, um, the end of the film is, of course, the soundtrack of the Karelia Suite. Ah. And uh, when the film's coming towards the end, the uh, that particular part of the Karelia Suite is very dramatic. And this is the Mount Cook sequence. Ah. So the film actually finishes with coming over Mount Cook. Was that on an ad? Did that used to be on an ad on TV? It could have been. I, I feel t- like I remember that know. scene with that music playing with the shot of Mount Cook kind of flying over Mount Cook. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. It's all, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah. <laughs> they must have used it in something. It could very well be. Mm. I have to go and investigate Because so now. many people in Dunedin had seen it. Mm. Uh, they had huge... All the school children. Yeah. And I've only heard that anecdotally. But you said that people... Were walking out crying. Well, that that's uh, that's actually what I found in Christchurch when I was there. There was, uh, they, but they were walking out with pride. And um, it was it was a tearjerker because it's only looking back on it you realise they were really good times. Mm. It's probably for anyone that saw it now, especially the younger generation, they probably wouldn't quite understand no. why everybody's so excited. And as far as I can remember, there's every aspect of New Zealand society is actually covered with not one word of dialogue. Yeah, amazing. I'd I'd like to know how long it took to film it as well. Just go and do some investigating. Well, yes, well, of course, the other thing, of course, if it hadn't been a case of being in the right place in the right theatre, that's how I wound up to work at the National Film Unit. That's right, you did too. Yeah. Because at the end, at the end, when they packed up in Christchurch to um, move on, which I I suspect was actually Dunedin that they were coming to, mm. one of the last words that was said to be by Mac, 
Mac Ashley. He said, if you're ever up in Wellington, go out and see his brother Jack, who is the laboratory director at the film unit. We'd like to see you. <laughs> well, I did, and I started the f- February the next year. And so how long did you work there for? 18 years. Oh, okay, so it was... A good job. Oh, yes, it was. And then it got even even better when we went out to the new building in Lower Hutt because uh, out there there were three or four projectionists at one stage. But as time went on, I became the head. Nice. And uh, so it was a nice way to um, end up. And, you know, we were made redundant with the reforms. Oh, because I was wondering how you ended up coming back to Dunedin. That, that was actually mm. why. I could I could have stayed, and I don't know if I should say it or not, <laughs> but I, I was offered a part-time job there, but it was owned by TVNZ. Mm. And let, let's just say that I probably saw too much of TVNZ towards the end, and I thought I didn't really want to work for them, actually. No. Much nicer to come back to the meeting. So I, so I came back here in 1990. So when did, where did you work... So, the first couple of years, no, the first 18 months, I was doing um, some part-time work at the Octagon where uh, Gary Goodslag was very good to me. He's, he's He's the head at Rialto. Oh, okay. In the projection room. And he, between him and... Uh, the local film distributor, Richard Weatherly, uh, they got me doing film festival previews in the mornings here just to help me out, and mm. I never forgot that. So I did that when I could, and uh, then I started getting a bit of relief work from uh, the St James and the Odeon, oh. as it was. Mm. I was doing part-time work for them, doing a couple of days off a week. Then the, do- the doors actually started to open, I got six months' work, it might have been more than that actually, at the century, the year that it closed. Mm. I got some work at the, I did a film festival right through at the Octagon. I think that might have been, uh, well actually that was probably 92. That was when uh, Gary had health problems and so he, he got me in there for three months. So it was li- little bits and pieces and uh, I got then I got um, at different stages I got involved with the Dunedin Film Society and I started doing screenings for them once a month, first of all at the, at one of the lecture theatres in the hospital oh, building and then they moved over to the Red Lecture Theatre. Mm. So I, I did that right through until the demise of film. So that that was a big help. Mm. Uh, and then, then there were uh, other screenings I did at the university too, in the same theatre, for film and media studies. Oh, of course. So there's, um, they were all 16mm then. So I was handling that for a number of years. And then um, simultaneous to all this, I, I was, as I say, at the century when it, uh, leading up to when it closed. And then um, I was doing a little bit of work at the Odeon, but not a lot because it had changed ownership at different times. And then uh, in 1995, I was asked if I'd like to join the Regent Theatre. So I uh, went down and um, had a look at everything. And uh, so I was one of three and uh, it was uh, really good to be there. And that actually started with the very first film festival at the Regent. Oh, really? Uh, yes, it wasn't Bill Godston's first festival in Dunedin because they had been at the St James oh. and the Odeon. Mm. 
but uh, it was the fir- it was the first one of the region, and I've been there ever since. Yeah, isn't that beautiful. That's amazing. <laughs> I um, recently read an article that said. Uh, one of your great memories was the screening of the local film Scarfies because you were involved in that project. Oh, that, 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 that's um, quite strange in a way because <laughs> I don't think too many projectionists would be getting involved in the um, production no. side of a film and then wind up screening it on the, <laughs> on the premiere. But you're quite right, I was... We had a, they had a studio up in um, I think it might have been Carroll Street. It was where um, the tea place was on the corner. Oh, yes. yeah. Bell Tea. Well, the studio was actually in an old building on the other side of the road. Oh. So that's where they did all the screened all the rushes and uh, did all the work on the film there. So did you do the screening of those rushes? So I'd be screening all the oh, rushes there for Scarfies and uh, there was uh, that, that was a lot of fun. Because how long did that take to film? What were you? Oh, it probably two, maybe a couple of months. Mm. I think it, I guess. Because I guess they'd be filmed and they'd have rushes coming so, out every day, would they? Yeah, yeah they, they were, and then the. The rushes would be sent up to Wellington to be processed and then they'd come back and they'd all have to be checked to see if they had to reshoot mm. something or whatever it might be. That's that, that, that was a lot of fun. So when they screened it, so you would have been the projectionist at the premiere so you wouldn't really have seen it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, you would have seen every single bit of it. Yeah. Before it got edited together and then... That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A strange way to see a film. It's just something I hadn't done, not to that extent before. So we had we had the um, premiere mm. at the Regent Full House. I was there. There was a standing ovation at the end. I remember that. <laughs> Were you there? I was there. Okay. <laughs> well, that was yeah, well well deserved in Eden. Oh, so um, that's great. And then I can remember that one of the one of the ladies, Helen, who was helping out at the uh, theatre on stage shows. She happened to be over in um, Edinburgh when they had their uh, festival and she was sitting in the theatre watching Scarfies and there's my name on the credits at the end. It's so satisfying to see your name in the credits of a movie, isn't it? (laughs) So, yeah, so that that was... uh, So would that be the first time that your name would have been in the credits of a film... Uh, well, it's been it's, it's been on for, oh it's on a feature film, mm. but it has been on one or two shorts at the film unit. I think it was uh, there was a film that um, Sam Neill made I think to do with skiing oh. uh, up in uh, Central, and I think if I remember rightly, right at the end it was to do I don't know whether it was optical effects or something like that. My name was. Very nice. um, Oh, well, I suppose that's probably a good place to end our interview. Thank you so much for talking to me. It's always, I love talking about movies with you. It's always so interesting. So so do I. That's great. Thank you so much. We'd really like to thank Russell for um, spending some time with me and letting me ask him lots of questions again. Yeah, and, it was uh, wonderful. Really was. enjoyed hearing him again. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, great. It was. Um, I was looking at the the photos that he donated that are on Scattered Seeds on the archive, yeah. and uh, just looking at the interior photos of the Century Theatre and. 
boy, there was a lot going on in those <laughs> foyers. They were quite busy, weren't they? They liked their patterns. They loved a patterned carpet <laughs> and, and several patterns of carpet in the yeah. same area, lots yeah. of mirrors. and. You certainly felt like you'd arrived somewhere when you turned yeah, up at the cinema. Did. Didn't you? It must be quite confronting. And, yeah. uh, but beautiful kind of murals on the wall of yeah. kind of like Grecian ladies dancing. Yeah. yeah, I really loved it. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's that uh, gets the adrenaline going, ready for the movie, doesn't it? Does. it? You've seen yeah. all these sights. Exactly. Lots. Yeah. A lot happening. <laughs> <laughs> a lot going on. I wonder who the decorator was. I'd like to find out. <laughs> In the town where I was born, lived a man who sailed to sea, and he told. Of his life in the land of submarines. So we sailed on to the sun till we found the sea of green. And we lived beneath the waves in our yellow submarine. We all doing this week we've got some um some some people to see haven't yes. we? We're heading out to middlemarch again yes aren't we? Yeah. exciting trip to middlemarch yep. love, i love going out there i hope the weather's good oh yeah it was beautiful last time mm. so yeah so we are going to meet with the middlemarch museum again yes yeah and uh and have a snoop around the um the remains of the platypus yes we caught a glimpse of it last time but it'd be lovely to to have a bit more of a have a look at it, and if you don't know, the platypus is—it's um, a submarine in the middle of Middlemarch. Of course, it is. <laughs> of course. Where, Where else, else would you find 
a submarine. Um, it's an iron plate submarine, and it was built in the 1870s. <laughs> Very bizarre how it ended up being there, but it, originally it was 10 metres long. Yeah. Um, as I say, built of iron plate, and it was um, built to mine for underwater gold in the Clutha River. Interesting. So Which how many people? It's quite be some distance from Middlemarch, it is so, quite, it's, so there's yeah. a bit of a story as to how it got there. Yeah. So, um, well, I read that you, they, the original, uh, when they first, they, they did two sinkings, or whatever you call them, yeah. two uh, cruises in the submarine. They sank twice um, in the right way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they intended to sink. Anyway, they could fit seven crew inside who pumped furiously to make sure they had plenty of air. No. Because they stayed down the first uh, voyage, that's the word, the first voyage stayed down for five hours. Uh, Imagine that, oh. in a ten-foot-long, ten ten-metre-long, ten sorry. So I wonder how much room there would have been, because ten metres probably isn't that long if you've got lots of equipment in there. It was probably quite yeah. narrow, I imagine. Imagine yeah. testing that out Yeah. the first time that you Why did you submerged? need seven people to go yeah. down there? That's incredible. Oh, you just sort of think of escape hatches and yeah. how do you well, get in? Apparently, there were two hatches one to get in at the top, and I don't know why, but one to get to the seabed at the bottom. So, I, my, my brain tells me that if you open the hatch, it's going to fill with water. Exactly. But so does it? <laughs> I don't know. I imagine them kind of, oh, yeah, I think you'd just stay down there, wouldn't you? If it all fills with water. <laughs> Yes, yeah, I, I, I'm having trouble getting my head around it. We yes. need to talk to the to the museum and find out how it worked. Yeah. But um, it didn't last, sadly. It had one yeah. successful sinking, and then an, another, it, it didn't go too well no. the second time. Um, and then they just basically ran out of money. Um, they couldn't oh, get any investors. Okay. Um, so it sort of languished on Otago Harbour. It was actually launched in Otago Harbour. Oh, it wasn't okay. launched in Middlemarch, I hasten to add. <laughs> should have mentioned that. Yes, um, so it was launched in Otago Harbour. So it sat on the harbour. A wall for about 10 years um, just languishing and then eventually it went to um, the soap factory McLeod soap factory and oh. they, they used it um, for a bit because it's a big big iron thing yeah, I suppose it's quite useful for a soap factory is, I don't know yeah. um, and it was cut into three pieces chopped up in 1924 because ah, okay. it was just quite big obviously um, and then eventually a farmer in Middlemarch sold it. So that's how it got to Middlemarch. Ah, okay. It wasn't sailed there. So they have the front and the end. Um, well, I'm not sure whether they had all three parts originally, the, oh. the, the farmer, because it, it, it has, they have been looking for this mm. part in and around Middlemarch. There was a rumour that it was under Cadbury's. Mm. And when, when they were digging up, well, now they're digging up Cadbury's, they did have a good look for it, but they haven't yet found yeah. it. Um, so they're still looking, and there's also a rumour that it's in somebody's garden, ah, some kind of large garden ornament mystery, or a water tank, or yes, yeah, so it's a very interesting mystery. Yeah. So I hope the Middlemarch Museum will get to the bottom of it. Um, we can certainly put the call out for them if anyone knows yes. or thinks <laughs> they might have the the missing link of the uh, platypus. Wouldn't do, amazing, do get in touch. you know, a, an achievement as part of this radio show, we yeah. managed to find that the, wonderful? the middle of the platypus. Radio show, Recollections finds middle part of platypus. That's, yes. that's what we would love, to, love that he'd like. to have. So if you know anything about it, or if, you, if you've heard a fun story, mm. we'd love to hear from you. We haven't mentioned how to get hold of us no. this week. Now, I have learnt the phone number. Oh, go for so it. You go can for it, call us. So you can contact us by calling 03474 Just leave a message and uh, we can call you straight back. Fabulous. Or you can email us, library at dcc 
www.govt.nz or you can just do it the old-fashioned way go in and talk to a librarian yeah. leave your details and we'll get in touch with you and yeah. we'll be loving to talk to you and if you want to um, look at Scattered Seeds archive if you go to dunedin.recollect.co.nz you'll find the website absolutely have a snoop around have a look. We've got heaps of stuff on there, and it's all quite diverse. There's it's all sorts of diverse. things on there. So we are filling it with the story of Dunedin, exactly. and the story of Dunedin is a rich it, tapestry it indeed. Out. There's a lot so, of stories to tell. Indeed it is. Now, we also, this week, um, chatted with Paul S. Allen. Yay! We, um, he's going to be on the show next week. Brilliant. Um, and we went to the beautiful Lan Wan. Chinese gardens. What an amazing office for us. Oh, I, I know, we'll quite enjoyed it, it there. Yes. Quite yeah. enjoyed it. Our auxiliary office. Yeah, perhaps. it was peaceful. There was a waterfall which, which uh, posed some problems for our recording, so um, we had to find a nice quiet place. Uh, we ended up in the tea garden. What yeah, else can you do? So um, we had to have tea. Um, and we had some Chinese music playing and we chatted with Paul. That so was. So, such a lovely afternoon, just so peaceful. Yeah, yeah. We should definitely do that more often. I think we should. <laughs> In fact, I did join up. I joined up for the year and bought a, a year ticket, so I can go whenever I like now. I know, and it's it's such a bargain to you know to yeah. be able to have a an annual pass just to go in whenever you feel like in. it. Yeah. And what I really like about it is slap bang in the middle of mm. the city. It's got a railway line on one side and trucks on the other. But when you're in there, it feels like you're far, far away. You would never know where no, you were. It's, no, it's beautiful. so beautiful. Yeah. And the ducks. Yes, there are ducks. Yes, there's some <laughs> real ducks and some fake ducks. Yes, I wasn't sure about that. No. But anyway, ducks <laughs> ducks quacking around. Yeah. But no, it was a, it's a lovely um, haven, and we really enjoyed chatting to Paul there, so you'll be able to hear what we were talking about. But um, he's done all sorts of things. Obviously, mm. he's a major contributor to... Um, the Scattered Seas Archive. Yes, and we're very grateful to him for that. Indeed. Um, he's done a lot, of, part of my passion is he's done a lot of photographing of protests and um, demonstrations yes. in the city. So he's sort of tracked the history of demonstrations. And it's sometimes interesting because there have been more than one demonstration about a particular thing and it, you can see how it develops yes. through his photographs. So that's really interesting. And, and he, he had some really interesting things to say about how and why he photographs those. Mm. Yeah. Um, and he's also, he chatted to us about the South Dunedin exhibition. Yes. The People of South Dunedin um, photographic ex exhibition that he put on with um, Paul Ford Campbell Lecomte. and Paul LeCompte um, a number of years ago. And uh, he has also donated that exhibition to the Scattered Seas Archive. It was a physical exhibition. There are some beautiful mm. print photographs um, which which were in the community gallery, um, but we have the digital version, and that yeah. is available to look at on Scattered Seed. So I it, urge you to have a look at that. And it was interesting to talk to him about the process of you know, meeting the people and selecting the people. Yeah, how they go about picking yeah. who would be in the in the because they when they chose people, they didn't just say, "Oh, let's have all the important people in South Dunedin." Mm. They thought about well, they, they're important, but not necessarily because they're you know named Famous. people or notables. They are ordinary people who've had a significant impact and, yes. and continue to have a significant impact in a good way mm. on South Dunedin. And it was nice to know that you know, they, they sat and interviewed mm. each person first. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they really got to know them before they took the photos. Mm. So, yeah, that was fascinating. So anyway, so we will um, 
hear from Paul next week. So, uh, yes, tune in for that. Oh, and you know what? With all that's going on in the world, I think it would be nice to have uh, a reminder about peace and love. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Let's have a song. This one is um, Put a Little Love in Your Heart with Al Green and Annie Lennox.
great um, with Paul's uh, collection of photographs on the archive because he's still adding current content. And, yeah. uh, and so on last Saturday, there was a protest um, to support the people of U- Ukraine held in mm. the Octagon. Yep. So he was out photographing, and those photos mm. have been uploaded to the Scattered Seeds as well. Yeah. History so. in the making. We're exactly. living, we live in historical times, don't we, currently? We really do. Yes, yeah. it's been... Yeah difficult times around the world. Very difficult and our thoughts are with everyone in Ukraine and anyone with family in Ukraine. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, It's been so hard hard. to be so far away Mm. and just not knowing what's happening over there. It really is. And again, it's really important to to think peaceful thoughts. There is a peaceful resolution Mm. to most things. Um, And I've been putting myself in that mindset this week because another thing I've been adding to the archive is, um, I don't know if you remember back in 2019 we had the creation of a sand mandala by the, the monks of the Dunedin Dagio Centre. It was, um, get, let's see if I can pronounce this correctly, Gisha Maima and Gisha Lobsang Donyoi who came along, um, beautiful people who came along and created um, this fabulous uh, so mosaic in sand. It was it was just tiny pieces of sand, grains of um, crushed marble, mm. different beautiful jewel colours. That was incredible. That and was I just amazing. remember yeah, I'd sneak down yeah. when I was yeah, in the building and just watch them work. And yeah. It was just so painstaking. The detail yeah. of that mandala was And the little tap, 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 tap as they added tiny yeah. pieces of sand yes. and created this picture. Yes. And we've, we've took photos throughout the, it actually happened over three weeks um, between March and April 2019 and we came down every day didn't we and, yeah. and took photographs so we in in the photographs we've got on the archive you can see that picture developing um, and it was a representation of the cosmos and it was just beautiful was the colors and, uh, and it was a real I'm, I'm not I'm not a Buddhist, but it felt very spiritual it really watching did. them work. Yeah, and it was nice to watch people, you know, just kind of gather and just to yeah. watch their work. And sometimes I sort of felt a bit bad because I was just sneaking in, hoping yeah, I wasn't disturbing anyone. Exactly. But yeah, it was incredible. It was very peaceful mm. watching them work and just being in that atmosphere. It was it was a beautiful thing. Mm. So yes, I urge you to have a look at that on our Scattered Seas archive. You can and see I re- that. And I remember the you know, the end the the finishing final ceremony at the end oh. and there were so many people in the library yes. and yeah just to watch it all being swept away I know after all that work yeah backbreaking work really mm. they, they hunched over it and, and worked really hard yes. for three solid weeks every single day and at the end ceremonially swept it away yes yeah and you had little bags of the Yes, I've still got a bag of so sand. So do I, actually, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think you were presented with a scarf, a little... I had a beautiful scarf mm. and a scroll that reminded me, um, yeah, to, to to think positively every day and, yes. and, yeah, always look up. So, yeah, it was... Yeah. Such a, a such a beautiful thing to have, yeah, you know. It's it like, was. how did it even start off? How did the talks kind of Oh, begin? well, the centre got in touch with us and um, suggested that they come along and do this for yeah. us. It was a gift to Dunedin, a gift to the people of Dunedin really from was. the monks. Um, and we made it part of our storytelling festival at the time. Oh, of course. Because it was just, it just fit perfectly it with really that. It really did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it was wonderful and, and lovely to be able to recreate that and, and see it happening again 
through looking at the archives. Exactly. So, yeah, grateful. Well, I think we've probably run out of time I think again. We're not <laughs> we need a bigger show. We do. <laughs> um, but don't forget, if you've got stories, do come and tell us. We want to hear your stories. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but do tune in next week, yes. Monday at 11. Yes. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.